You need to lead to your solution, not with your solution. When you lead with your solution, which marketing often does, it comes across as a pitch. So we need to provide content, not that we want to share, but content that our buyer wants to consume. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. There are hardly any topics in B2B sales that are more polarizing than social selling. Our guest in this week's episode has successfully launched high-performing social selling programs for many of our enterprise clients. Today, she will share her eight stages of rolling out a LinkedIn and social selling program. Please welcome the CEO of Social Sales Link, Bryn Tillman. Bryn, thank you so much for joining the State of Sales Enablement. Thanks for having me, Felix. I'm really excited to be here. So before we dive into the nitty gritty of launching a social selling program in a business, Please share a little bit about yourself with the audience and what your journey has been so far and how you arrived at being that social selling expert that you are now. Oh, thanks. It was an interesting journey. I started off in sales for Dun & Bradstreet in an inbound call center. Did really well in upselling. I wasn't even trying. It was just really solution selling. And I got tapped to do some sales training. And so I, you know, I got the bug and you either go in sales leadership. Usually if you're in sales, you either go in the leadership or the training direction, or now we have enablement, which is another path. The time that wasn't a thing and it was sorely needed, but not an option. And so I went in the training direction, but I always sold. So I was always the person that they rode with, the new person rode with or sat with. And I really loved sales, 95% of it. The piece I didn't like was the cold calling piece. I just felt like it's an enormous time suck for a very small ROI for the time invested. What I really loved was the networking piece and the engaging piece. And I recall sitting across from a client, early 90s, staring at his overflowing Rolodex, thinking if I could get my hands on that for 20 minutes, I could identify who he knew that I wanted to meet, ask for introductions. And I wouldn't have to go back to the office and cold call. But in the early 90s, it wasn't politically correct to say, hey, Mr. Client, can I skim through your business cards? But that's what we have with LinkedIn. And so when I saw this a couple decades later, I was like, they built this for me and my clients, <laughs> right? This was perfect because it allows us to filter our connections, connections, and really identify pathways into your ideal buyer. And so I really have championed the authentic side of social selling, the relationship side of social selling. That's awesome. These days, you have two kinds of opinions about social selling. People either think it's the best thing ever or people think it's just the biggest fad and time suck. Organizations that do it successfully obviously have bought into it. Mm -hmm. And there's more and more organizations that want to find a pathway to effectively introduce social selling to their sales team. So what are the steps involved in actually getting a social selling program off the ground? 
Well, from an enablement standpoint, I'll kind of walk through those. But before I start there, I just want to say getting into the right mindset of social selling makes a big difference. The people that hate it have been victims of connect and pitch. They have been victims of automation. They've been spammed. And so they think that that's the experience of social selling. And that is not done well. Social selling is about being a resource, bringing value, building rapport, having online conversations, taking them offline, understanding that the sale will come when the time is right. So even though it's called social selling, it's really about establishing rapport with the right people and starting conversations. That's how we want to look at social selling. Step number one is define your KPIs. And this, I think, is one of the areas that a lot of sales leadership gets wrong because they come from a call center mentality. If we make this many calls, we'll get this many answers and we'll get this many appointments and then this many will keep their appointment and then we'll get these many opportunities which will close, right? So those KPIs as we go down, we have enough data that we know that if he makes 80 calls, we'll make two sales a month. We know that. Social selling is different. And the KPIs that they want to measure comes to how many new connections do we have? How many of those new connections are the right connections? And it's not a volume play. So the KPIs, I want teams, when we talk about this, to think about what is a KPI that you'd have if your sales rep went to a conference or a trade show? Are you going to literally count how many business cards they came back with? <laughs> You're not putting that as a KPI. So we want to look at this from the standpoint in my mind is the first KPI, I'm almost going to sound like I contradict myself, but you do have to look at, am I connecting with the right people? So what's the persona and am I connecting with the right people? The second KPI is, am I converting those right people into conversations? Now, there are a lot of other things that we can look at. How many times am I sharing content? How many people like it? But we get stuck in this noise of these metrics and data that doesn't really work toward our goal of conversations. There's some vanity metrics in that, but it really comes down to, am I talking with the right people? If I do a search of my connections and I have 72 of the right people and zero conversations, we know where the gap is. If I have three of the right people, I know where the gap is, right? But I wouldn't look at much more than that when you roll out an initial program. Got it. Do you see when working with clients that those kind of activity-related KPIs are then related back to revenue down the track? We teach how to do it right. So you share a piece of content. Maybe you get 230 views. Those are lurkers. We don't even know who they are. We have three likes and none of them are the right people. And we have four comments and they're not the right people. So we teach people how to take that content, get it into the inbox of your targeted buyer, ask for their insights. And now we have the right person engaged and we take them through the steps. Right? But my job now is to turn that engagement into a conversation, not a sales call though. Yeah, yeah. This is another place where sales enablement, sales leadership, often they expect, well, how many discovery calls did you get? 
What I really want initially is just a conversation. I look at LinkedIn as this online trade show, this online conference. We have some small talk. We get to know each other. We build a little rapport. Once we've got something going, now I'll bring you over to my booth, my company, (laughs) right? (laughs) And we'll talk a little bit about how we might be able to help you out. But you have to earn the right and they have to like you first. And they have to see you as a resource and that you're worth their time. If you can't get there, they're just going to feel like it was a connect and pitch, which is a bait and switch. And nobody wants that. And then you become what you hate about social selling. You turn to the dark side, so to speak. Yeah. And so if we can treat the person on the other side of the message the same way we would if they were on the other side of the table we'll see consistent success with LinkedIn and social selling. The next one is buyer mapping. So now we have the KPIs. We're ready to take a look at who is it that we want to talk to. And there's buyer mapping from a marketing perspective. I want women between the ages of 25 and 45 that have two kids and a red car and a designer purse. Doesn't work like that on LinkedIn, right? (laughs) What we do for buyer mapping is whether they have the free LinkedIn or sales navigator, we really break down all of the filters inside of sales navigator to identify exactly the right people we want to talk to. And there could be many persona. We don't have to stick with one, but we do start with one till we build out perfectly because then it's easy to duplicate. So buyer mapping, figuring out who is my champion or coach, who are my influencers, who are my decision makers, Who do I think holds the wallet? I may not be right, but I can go through all of the employees of a company page and build out a little map. And in Sales Navigator, they give you actually three tiers where you can organize them. But this was inspired by Miller Hyman Blue Sheets. This isn't like, oh my God, this is brilliant. Like Stephen Hyman was brilliant. Like he created this. And then I went, oh, let's do this on LinkedIn. Let's do this for social selling, right? So, The buyer mapping piece is really figuring out who are the players and your social proximity to the players. That's where LinkedIn really comes in. Who do you know that can get you a warm introduction? Who do you know that knows the CEO? Maybe the CEO isn't the person you want to talk to right now, but can you start there and get pushed down to the right person because of a warm introduction? So that buyer mapping is significant when it comes to LinkedIn. And do you see that a lot of organizations have a clear idea of who their buyers are based on the granular data that you have available in Sales Navigator? Typically, the persona they have created does not align with the searches on LinkedIn. I cannot search female 25 to 45. I can't. But I can search directors in Sales Navigator, at least, that have been in a role like this for more than 10 years or that's new to a company that has 10 years of experience. Like there's a lot that we can do that can find us the ideal persona, but we have to detach from that marketing persona, those avatars that have been created and really look at LinkedIn's filters to find the right people. Now, another thing I recommend we do, and there's a whole piece in social listening when we train, part of it is, Let's break down the filters of our existing clients. So let's take a look at who they are now and find more companies and more buyers like them. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. This is just a topic that comes up so often at the moment with just the buyer acumen side of things. There's always, always that discussion going on whether marketing are close enough to the customer or not. And I think what you're saying about the buyer persona and their favorite music and their favorite color don't really translate into the reality of having to close a B2B sale. So correct. without going down that rabbit hole, I appreciate that comment. I think that's absolutely true. Well, I'm glad we're aligned. So what are the next steps in that process then? We get together as a team and we look at the tool stack. So one of the challenges that sales face is they're overwhelmed with the tool stack. We've got 17 tools that are getting in the way of me selling. That might be slightly exaggerated, but if you talk to enough sales reps, you'll start to hear this, right? It's cumbersome. So we talk about choose the tools and the apps that will help the sale. The CRM is built for reporting. I get it. Sales enablement, sales leadership, I get it. I get it. And I work with sales leaders all the time. But what we really need to do is make sure that the tools that we are asking our reps to use are really productive in moving the sale forward. So the CRM is really important. Where are we? But there are so many extra tools that seem to get thrown in that are either used halfway or barely used. And then it comes down from the top. We invested $250,000 in this tool. Why are we not using it? And so we need to look at, from a social selling perspective, what are the tools that the salespeople need to be productive? And there's not a ton. One could be Sales Navigator. Obviously, that's a tool that I highly recommend if you're prospecting. I think one is a calendar link to be able to schedule. I can't tell you how many enterprise businesses I go into and their reps don't even have a calendar link yet. That's time-saving and productive. There is a free tool for template storage called getmagical.com in Chrome. We have a link where you could download all our templates at socialsaleslink.com slash shortcuts. Put in all your templates and never copy and paste again. And it's free. So these are some of the tools that we'll sit down and say, these are productive. These are time-saving tools that will help. Just make sure they're productive. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, again, a common theme that I come across. And I think that's why you have functions in big businesses like digital adoption that are essentially a in-sourced customer success function to actually make sure that you get the value out of the tools that you purchase. And I think, especially if people buy into the promise of social selling, it's easy to get carried away with tools that then don't end up being used. So you say Sales Navigator, Calendar Link, and a tool to manage templates. Getmagical.com. I have no connection to them except they're nice people. It's a Chrome extension. They have some really big Silicon Valley funding. So something's going to happen with them. I don't know what, but they've got some very heavy hitters backing them. And it's phenomenal. And it's right now, at least, it's free for everyone. It's called getmagical.com in Chrome. It's an extension. Every salesperson in the world should have it. There are a ton of companies that sell these text expanders. This one's free. It's free. <laughs> all right. We'll drop a link in the show notes for easy access for our audience. It's awesome. Now we have the tech tool sorted. What's next in the process? 
So I would say this is probably the most painful, which is content plan, because this is where we bring in marketing. We have to sit down and we have to take inventory of what they have. We have to look at if there's compliance around content and we have to come up with an agreement on the kind of content that we need so that the salespeople can start conversations. And often marketing has a different idea than what we need. Sometimes they're good and they listen most of the time. By the time I have a conversation with them, they're like, okay, I get it. So here's the thing. Straight from the challenger sale, I think is one of the most powerful, top 10 powerful phrases in sales and marketing books that I ever heard which is you need to lead to your solution, not with your solution. When you lead with your solution, which marketing often does, it comes across as a pitch. So we need to provide content, not that we want to share, but content that our buyer wants to consume. Bryn, I just have to take a moment here to uh, do a little fist pump over here because I absolutely love this. Okay, well, good, because it's really critical. And even salespeople don't know what it is that they need. They just know that what they have isn't right. And so that's what it comes down to. So for me, I love this. I love bridging marketing and sales. This is the most trepidation that my buyers that are usually sales enabling or sales leadership have. Like, I got to get you in front of my marketing person. We can't make that decision. And I'm like, we'll get it. We'll get it. So there are other things, right, that are content, like polls are content. And marketing does no, 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 salespeople, no. Okay, we've got to come up with a way. You want to approve it, we'll get you to approve it. But we've got to make sure that we can leverage the tools that we have to attract the right people. So. We'll move on to a very easy one. Okay. No one wants to buy from the number one negotiator or the guy that won President's Club six years in a row or the gal who's at 140% of quota. That is not what your buyer cares about. And if your goal is to attract your <laughs> buyers, don't put out content that's going to make them go, oh, I don't want to be sold. What do we need to do? We need to attract, teach, and engage. We do that by being a resource. So even your profile shouldn't be about you. It should bring value. The goal of that profile is for them to say, I love this, I want more. When they do that, they book a call with you. If you have a calendar link. <laughs> no. Anyway, really critically important. This is what I hear sales leaders, the pushback. Oh, my reps own their own profile. They don't want a brand as us. This is their professional profile. If they want it to be a resume, heads up, they're looking for another job, right? <laughs> I love it. And you can say to them, and I have a client after we went through this program that said, if you do not brand, which they can't make them do, you can't connect to our company page. Guess what? There's 100% compliance. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it still can be in their voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like it has to be templated because I don't agree with that. I want this to be the first step in a real 
communication and a real conversation. And I want the experience to be seamless. I read this about you and now I talk with you and it feels the same. So this is not about we have a template and everyone gets it, but this is about the brand promise, the grammar. Are the commas in the right place? Are the colors in the banner right? Little things like that. And when our buyers get here, what do they feel? That's so important. I should also mention for anybody who wants to see a good example of that, please visit Bryn's LinkedIn profile. I was just blown away by the fact that you really, truly practice what you preach and that your profile is a true resource for social selling. So, ah, thanks, Felix. I appreciate that. For anybody who is interested in how to do it well, please check out the profile. We'll also drop a link in the show description. So number six would be creating a playbook. And this is a custom tailored playbook with your company's messaging now. Done well in Get Magical, we have all the templates and they get a link and they import all their templates. And then they know when I accept someone's connection request and they don't have a message, here's the template short code. That's a good playbook, right? that they literally know exactly what to do and what to say, and that there are plays. So there are a lot of people that call something a playbook, but there are no plays. A playbook, think of it like sports. Do this, then do this, then do this. Now, often it's linear, and life is not linear. So there are definitely scenarios that will come up, but they need a guide. And your salespeople, if you don't have that, will leave the training and go, That was great. And then they go back to their 17 voicemails and their 192 emails. And like a rubber band, they snap back and they never do anything they learn. So one of the things that we do, not with all of our clients, but with some of our clients, is we have daily emails that say, do this. Guided social science. Oh, don't. Did you remember to do this? Go do this today. And they're like, oh, I forgot about that. Right. So make sure that It's not a once and done, right? That you've got that reinforcement, however it is that you get it. And that's part of like that playbook creation. So the primary goal of a playbook in that context would then be compliance or would it be consistency or both? Both. Yeah. I mean, compliance is an interesting thing, right? And that's why the playbooks need to be, we don't custom, they're tailored, right? So if today is go curate a piece of content on a topic. And there are six places that we don't want you to post from. It's got to say that. Stay clear of these six sites. I have one client on every page that has anything to do with content. Make sure it's not a competitor's content because they were out there finding content and then sharing competitor's content. Like, no. So you just have to tailor it and make sure that they have it right. Number seven is now training. And this is where when I work with the team, they're like, wait a minute, we just did all of that and we're not even a training yet? That's right. (laughs) You've got to have that foundation together, right? So training can be done. Now, 99% of the training I'm doing is virtual. What's great about this, initially, I'm like, I'm used to doing one day, two day, two and a half day trainings. We can record them now. I mean, I am going back. I have three in-person meetings in the next month and a half. I don't think it's the best use. The idea that we can do training and that people can go back to it. And when I do training and anyone that, if sales enablement, 
I would recommend, this is a tip that I absolutely love, is when your people are going through training, instead of having them take mass notes, have them jot down topic timestamp. So for me, headline, 623, 6 minutes, 23 seconds into the meeting. They can go back to the video because when they're taking notes, sometimes they miss the next three things. So that's not mine. I was on a meeting where they did that and I'm like, I'm doing this forever. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, what you said about the remote training, I think doing anything other than having an on-demand resource like opens up the opportunity of people not being in the mindset for learning. And I think social selling as well as any other area in sales should benefit of that now more than ever. Yeah, and if we're going to look at, I would put this under tools, right? If we're going to look at productive tools, we don't have to take people out of the field anymore for three days to train because we'll do it over 12 weeks. That's right. An hour, two hours a week. And we're not pulling them out of the field. And half of the time they're eating lunch while they're in it. And that's okay, right? Because it's productive time. And I say pulling it out of their field, it's really pulling it out of their den, right? Because everyone's working from home. So they're taking an hour out of their day and they're productive. So I think that's really important. And the last one is like a no-brainer, which is just ongoing reinforcement. I talked about whether it's email reinforcement, is they're coaching a couple times a month. We have a drop-in coaching. It's public. Anyone can join. It's $97 a month. But our, we take our corporate clients afterwards. If they don't buy ongoing training, they can just stick their people into drop-in coaching. And we have that two times a week. So it just keeps that. I have a question. I'm trying to get into this company and I'm struggling. And all of a sudden they're like, they get a, a fast win and they're like, oh, I should do this more. It's the ongoing support and reinforcement is where the money is, not just the training. The training is great. The reinforcement is the actionable piece. Yeah. So for anybody who's listening to this and was really disciplined in actually implementing those steps, utilizing all your awesome resources that you've shared today. How long does it typically take until sales teams really see the benefits of a social selling program? So I love that. We've had people close business during class. I'm going to give you one example. Michelle Vincent, she's in a staffing company. Our client, love her. April of 2020, we'll say it again, April of 2020, staffing company, not exactly the best time for a staffing company did one exercise that we taught her, which was export your connections and take inventory. Let's take a look at who we're connected to. There was a little more around that, but that was the homework. Week three, she went through it and saw an old client at a new company, reached out, and June of the pandemic closed a $1.5 million deal, which is now over $3 million. And she sent me a little note that said, thank you for paying for my daughter's college. <laughs> I love it. So there's a short game, right? Who we know that we're ignoring, taking inventory, knowing what to say, how to reach out. There's a mid game, which is once we take inventory, who can we leverage to get introductions? So they may not be necessarily shopping right now. And that's why I say it's about starting the right conversations with the right people, understanding that the sale will come when the time is right. So it's who does your client know that they can either introduce you to or give you permission to drop their name? Who has referred you business over the last three or four years? Go search their connections and identify who they know. 
that's not a long game. So if they actually start to implement, particularly the seasoned professionals during the class, if they do the very light homework, they're booking calls. Like they come the next week going, oh my God, I got four appointments. The longer game is the content play. That's the marketing play. I know that there's a place for this and it's, there's an engagement play. You have to do both because if you do the content play long enough, you get inbound. I'm going to say that again, salespeople, when you do content consistently and well, you get inbound. That's really hard to do as a salesperson. But you now own a piece of marketing, a marketing of yourself, of your business. And so if you can attract, teach, and engage in that order, the right people, not pitch, when the time is right, they raise their hand and say, wait, don't you do this? But that's the long game. So we have to have the short game, which are the relationships and leveraging those and the long game. Got it. That's a long answer for your question. It's a good answer, though. Okay, good. Bren, we're running out of time, but I know the answer to my question already. Where can people find you online and where can they learn about your work? I love that. Thank you. So I'm still the only Bryn Tillman on LinkedIn, so that's good. So you can find me there, obviously. We have lots of free resources at socialsaleslink.com slash library. Hundreds. We'll even connect this podcast there. So if you listen to it and then you go search, you're like, oh, look. So podcasts and webinars and masterclasses and all kinds of free stuff. Socialsaleslink.com slash library. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bryn. Thank you. 